Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. That was the extended countdown from Sippel. It sounded like the official from the Nebraska-Michigan game the other night announcing <laughs> the end of the quarter. This is... The end, the end of the first period. Um, welcome in. It's uh, 2.55 p.m. here on Wednesday afternoon. We're going a little early today. I'm over at Haymarket Park. You'll see Brian Dunsing over my shoulder here, the poster on the wall. Uh, game exactly. You meant the real Brian Dunsing. Yeah, yeah Brian, Brian Dunsing is here with us. We have a yes. very special guest, Brian Dunsing. <laughs> a Major League Baseball zone. Um, I'm out here for game three of the Red-White Series. Team's going through batting practice right now. Um, they dropping some bombs. Uh, wind is wind is howling out to left, so we might see some bombs. We'll, we'll see. So, it's going to be a left, rough day for the left-handed hitters unless they're going off, unless they're going opposite field. But um, yeah, game three of the red-white series, wrapping up fall ball today, uh, heading into the offseason. We already did. Talk a little Minnesota. We'll talk a little Gage Stinger. We'll talk a little background noise. The scooter Sipple sitting out. Yeah, can you hear it? Yes. yes, it sounds like you're. It sounds like you're literally working the drive-through with scooters. Right? It sounds like you have the headset on your mic. Is, um, yeah, is it loud? It's fine. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, loud. it's fine. It's it's whatever. We don't have an office, so this is what we do. So, um, let's get into it. It's the next biggest game of Scott Frost's tenure. Nebraska at Minnesota, <laughs> Saturday morning, eleven a.m. As, is it still TCF Bank Stadium? That's still what it's called up no, there? No, it's, it's not. It's Huntington Bank Stadium. I Hunting, oh, we switched banks. We switched yeah. our bankers up yeah. in Minnesota. 11 a.m. kick, which we love uh, as uh, sports writers. It makes deadline life a little easier than those 6.30 p.m. kicks. Um, Minnesota 3-2, and 1-1 in the league coming off a bye. Excuse me, Nebraska, of course, 3-4. and four. Uh, Got a bye coming next week. Uh, a rather enormous game for both teams. Uh, you could say a must win probably for both teams for Minnesota. This kicks off a four game stretch where they're playing, you know, four games. They think they can beat Nebraska, uh, Illinois in there, uh, Northwestern. I forget who the fourth team is, but it's another beatable team uh, before they play Iowa. Oh, they already beat Purdue. They already beat Purdue. Anyway, Rutgers, maybe something like that. I don't know. That's, that's, that's your crack research department working on that. But um, let's, let's get into it. It's Nebraska, of course, coming off the loss to Michigan. Two and a half point favorite last I saw heading up to Minneapolis. Winnable game, important game. I guess just your guys' initial thoughts on what we're looking at Saturday. Oh, I mean, I I don't I think Nebraska, okay, two and a half point favorite. That's yeah, I mean, they should be the favorite for sure. The more I look at Minnesota, the more I think Nebraska's could win the game going away. Um, I don't know if they're if they're in like if it was a perfect scenario for Nebraska. It wasn't Minnesota coming off of a bye. It wasn't Nebraska coming off of a pretty grueling stretch. If it was a little, the circumstances were a little more even, I would, I would be confident in saying Nebraska by 10. Um, but I don't know. The circumstances are, are not perfect. Um, and, you know, and Minnesota fans would say, oh, wow, listen to you. Look, what, did you forget what happened the last two years? You know, uh, so I don't know. Minnesota's not what Minnesota's been. 
Tanner Morgan, what I would say to Minnesota fan as well, Tanner Morgan's completing 52% of his passes. That wasn't the case two years ago. You don't have Tyler Johnson. You don't have Rashad Bateman. Um, you don't have much of, you don't have a, much of an offense at all, really. Um, so that, uh, yeah, I'd like Nebraska's chances a lot in this game. It's, it's interesting that they are getting Minnesota, Minnesota in some ways. I mean, they've had two big losses at, at running back. Mohamed Ibrahim being the big one, obviously, in the opener. And then Trey Potts, who'd been their next guy up, is now out for the season as well. They're probably going with Marquise Irving um, as a potential lead back, true freshman from Chicago. He's actually played pretty well in the chances he's got. Rashad Bateman has been – or not, excuse me, not Rashad Bateman. Chris Ottman-Bell – who is the top receiver now that Rashad Bateman is gone, uh, is back. He's played in the last three games, had a knee injury. You'd think, I mean, he's probably going to be as healthy as he's been, three games under his belt, coming off the bye week. So that's one. And I think they're going to get Dylan Wright back too, who's the transfer receiver from Texas A&M. So it might be, even though they haven't been nearly as good at receiver as they were a couple of years ago, it might be the best they've been so far this year if both of those guys are in there and playing coming off the bye week. It's interesting though, Sipple. I mean, I, you know, I was, I didn't expect it to be like Nebraska by a touchdown or anything when the line came out, but mm-hmm. three, three was a little narrower than I thought it was going to be. And then I'm always curious, just one of the things I always check each week is Bill Conley from ESPN when his, uh, all of the data that they run on that SP plus model comes out and he puts them out on Wednesdays. He's got the projected margin based on their algorithm for the game being two-tenths of one point. Really? Projected final score, 27-27, with Nebraska as a winner, 51% to 49%. Wow. So that they're – I mean – Tie. We're going to have a tie. Yeah, it's going to be a tie. We're going to play an infinite number of overtimes. No, but I think that just <laughs> – That'd be about gonna, right for this be like year. the song that never ends. Um, yeah. The yeah, that would be about right. Get out of there at one a.m. again. No, I, I, I just, I think it's a, I think it's going to be. I I can understand the way that Nebraska's played recently, even with the losses. I can understand the thinking that they've got the tools to pull away from Minnesota. I don't think that's impossible, but man, I think it's going to be really close. I just think it's going to be another one of those games that comes right down to the last possession last half of the fourth quarter. Minnesota's real, Minnesota's really good against the run. I think they're fifth nationally, um, giving up 77 yards a game. Um, did, did a fairly decent job uh, against Ohio State, even though Ohio State scored a bunch of points. Did a fairly decent job against the run, and, and nobody else has really pushed them that hard in the run game. And Nebraska's going to push them as hard in the run game as, as anybody else has. I, I'm going to regret saying this. I actually kind of trust Nebraska in this game. I think they might win it by double digits, um, even with Minnesota coming off the bye. It's a dangerous spot in you with the bye coming up. And we all know it. It's, it's human nature, right? You've played eight weeks. You see that bye week coming. Chance to get some rest. Hey, we're going to take a little trip up to Minnesota. Let's just get through this baby and, and get it over with. So there's some danger, I think, in that. There's some danger in Minnesota coming off the bye week. But they have had some turmoil. Uh, the top two running backs going down, the offensive lineman that had played a lot from this year going into the portal uh, earlier this week. The the health issues at receiver, like like Parker said, you probably get those guys back this week. But I don't know. I, I I don't know if I don't know if this team's just changing my mind or what it is. But I I 
again, I'm going to regret saying it, but I trust them. I trust Nebraska in this game to go out there and, and play pretty well and head into Bayou with some momentum. So we'll see. They, they haven't done it up there the last couple of years, certainly. Um, it's been pretty ugly the other way um, the last couple of times up there. So we'll see. But I think I, I just, I don't know. My gut just tells me I, I like Nebraska in this game. All right, there you go. T- T- we get, should we just give our predictions? Oh, see you next week. No, we're not going to do that. What, what is that bank? What's that stadium called? TCF Huntington bank? bank Stadium, I believe. Huntington Bank. Oh, Huntington Bank. Did they change the name of the bank? We literally yeah. talked about this at the top of the podcast like four minutes ago. Oh, I was. it was loud in here. Really? It was? Yeah. It was loud yeah. in here, and I was getting phone, I was getting texts from Trix. Um, still am. Um, so I got to lock in now. Got to lock in now. Lock in. Lock in. Well, Huntington Bank Stadium. This this kind of let's just do this. It, it plays into the hot topic, right? This is like we said, huge game for both teams. Um, Nebraska needing W's for bowl eligibility. Concerned what the back end of that schedule looks like and what their next two opponents are: Minnesota, Purdue. So that said, this week's hot topic: What are the chances that Nebraska makes a bowl game if they lose? Minnesota Saturday. We all think well, they probably need to win this game, but if they lose, what are the chances they make a bowl game? So Simple three and goal. four. They're three and four with this is with this game included. One, two, three, four, five games left. I, I mean, time's running out. I don't. I don't know what the chances would be. They'd be low. I would think low. Now I'm sort of hung up on the whole bowl thing, and maybe you guys could talk me off of it. Like I'm very hung up on. If this team doesn't make a bowl, it's a really it's sort of uh, – it wouldn't be good. I mean, because of because of what we're saying about – They're good. The, think, they're good. Yeah, they're a bowl team. Yeah, they're that's good what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is this is a good team. But what, what Your eyes tell you it's a good team. And if they don't make a bowl, what does that tell you? I mean, I don't – I guess it tells you that the schedule's very tough. But uh, – I mean, it needs to get to a bowl. Um, so if they lose, you know, you could get to, you, you know, you're just counting wins. If they lose this game, Purdue, you feel confident getting to four. Uh, then, then you have Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa left, and you'd have to win two of them. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not not, I do not subscribe. I'll tell you what I don't subscribe to. Oh, Nebraska beat Wisconsin. Come on. I mean, that's a – I don't know. I, I don't I, – I, Wisconsin on its home field with that defense still feels like a toss-up game. So, I think the go. chances would be low if they don't win this game. I agree, Sip. I think it's low. They, they have to get this one. They have to get the next one. Because then there's still pressure in those last three. But it's, it's not oppressive – Maybe the maybe as oppressive as it would be, should you go one and one in these games, and no one you need to win to. Now, I'm I'm kind of with you on the Wisconsin thing. Can they beat Wisconsin? Yes, absolutely. Um, will they just waltz into Camp Randall Stadium and beat Wisconsin? No, no, they they won't. And, and this isn't a vintage Wisconsin team, but it doesn't matter. Up there, you're on the road against a really really good defense. You've shown a propensity to get yourself into close games and and not come out on top in those close games on the road. So you don't trust that. Iowa's obviously having a great year, but you've played them tough the last few years. That's another close game, probably at home. 
you know, I was really good in special teams. You know, I was really good on defense. Is that the difference in the close game? So, yeah, it would be low if they lost this game. And it, it's become our running joke on this podcast. But this really is the biggest game of the year. I mean, it is. They, ha- they have to win it. I think They have to win it if they – if they want to give themselves a real shot. And of course they'd still have a shot if they don't win it, but man, you know, it's one thing to, to lose these close games to top 10 teams and you're right there and we can play with anybody, but what if you go up to Minnesota and lose to a so-so Minnesota team on the road and don't play well, but what does that tell you? You know, what does that do for a team's confidence? I think that's different than losing to, to Michigan late or to Oklahoma late or to Michigan state late three quality teams. It's different if you lose to Minnesota this week. And I think it's different for your psyche going to buy a week. So yeah, it's the chances, like Sipple said, I think are very low if they lose this ball game. Or yeah. There's a compound, there's a compounding problem, right? Like if you, if, if Nebraska loses this week, not only is time getting short in terms of getting to six wins, but also there's a breaking point somewhere. If you, yeah. if you keep not winning game, you know, Trev said this on the radio, Trev Albert said this on the radio a few weeks ago, if you never get rewarded at some point, your heart's not going to be in it. And I don't know if they lose, like, are they going to be at that point? I don't know. They've been pretty sturdy in that regard so far this year. But I think the only, the only thing I don't know, the only caveat I would have is it's not impossible to make a bowl game with five wins. So that does, that counts in the equation somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of bowl games. There's a lot of bowl games. And even with the San Francisco bowl or whatever it's called, which had a big 10 tie in, being canceled like how many big 10 teams are going to get to six wins like they're it's so top heavy like is is wisconsin going to get to six wins somebody's got to win that game between nebraska and wisconsin and you know that team will be closer to it but i i don't know i mean if you go down you know wisconsin i think that they they lose two they've lost one non-conference game and then they play army so you know they're in a, they've lost non-conference games. Um, Illinois is not going to get to six wins. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to know at this point in the season, are they going to be, is, are the bowls going to be able to fill 82 teams or whatever it is on top of um, the playoffs? So that would be sort of the back door in. Obviously that's not what Nebraska wants to be sweating out. It's APR ranking with five wins at the end of the year. Um, but I, I tend to agree simple with what you said too, about just the, you know, you've seen them play with three teams in the top 10. Now, I don't know if it's a great, I don't know if they're going to play with Ohio state the first week of November. It's I mean, it just, that doesn't feel like a close one. Nope. Iowa's a little different. It depends on, you know, you've got to protect the ball, obviously, in that game. You don't know where either of those teams are going to be health-wise more than a month from now. Um, I think if you were setting lines on those two games right now, they'd probably look pretty different. So, yeah, is it possible you win two of three in November? Um, it's not impossible. But two wins and then and and then Wisconsin, I mean, that's the cleanest route to six. Um, and even that's not an easy task at this point. No, you know what's interesting? The strangeness of this season. I don't know. You, you may not agree with this, but here's the strangeness of the season to me. Nebraska's three and four. I was ranked number two in the country, and I would not be surprised if Nebraska wins that game. No. I was only an 11 point. I was number two. They're an 11 point favorite at home over Purdue this weekend. Yeah. Like, so they, just, they, don't, they don't blow a lot of people out. You know, they just don't. It's not how they play. Now, 
they win a lot of close games, which Nebraska doesn't. But yeah, they, they, good point. It's not like you're, you're. It's not like you're going to walk into that game going Nebraska's got no shot. They're going to have a chance for sure. Can we yeah, just so while, while while we're on the topic? Can we just make one early note about the bowl about the bowl picture? Yes. Right now there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight teams in the Big Ten that have three wins or fewer overall. Uh, and there's only six that have four or more, and one of them is Maryland, who, you know, who, how who might not win they, another game all year? Yeah, yeah are they going to win another game this year? Uh, and then on top of that, the fact that there's four teams, that five teams in the Big Ten that are ranked in the top ten right now, I mean, you could theoretically have, you know, a playoff team and two or three New Year's six-type games – so you could get to three or four Big Ten teams off the board before the league bowl tie-ins even start, you know, before you even start lining those up. And how, I don't know how many I don't know how many bowl teams there are going to. I mean, like a six-win Nebraska team could go to like the Outback Bowl because. Yes. Oh wow, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would it be would better than forward. Detroit. Yeah, but It'd just with the number Detroit of teams, Christmas. yeah, with the number of teams that are going to end up in the New Year Six slash playoff. And the lack, almost entire lack of appealing options after the top five teams in the league, there's going to be some pretty plum bowl assignments for some pretty mediocre Big Ten teams. Well, and let's not forget, too, bowl teams love Nebraska, right? Because those fans are going to travel. And they're they're starved for a bowl, no matter where it may be, whether it's Detroit or Arizona or Florida or whatever. So that's that's part of it to consider, too. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Parker. Should we keep moving here? Yeah, keep moving. Keep moving. Um, you want to talk a little, uh, little about the the latest signee, the latest commit? Yeah, Parker. There was a commit. There was, there was a, commit. a commit. We have a commit. We yeah. need like a red siren. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. Is it, it should have been like a tornado warning today? It's been so long since there was one. Yeah, um, yeah it was Gage Stenger who currently Miller South part- Zone. Yeah, yeah, Miller South Zone starting quarterback at Millard South, maybe the best team in Class A this year. Um, he's not going to be a quarterback in college. Uh, he's a linebacker, maybe a Dome, Jojo Doman type, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's put up huge numbers uh, so far in his senior year. They beat Millard, Millard uh, South, took Bellevue West to the woodshed earlier this year, 35-21. And uh, Gage Stenger had 211 passing yards or 221 passing yards and four touchdowns and ran for 199. So he looked like the best player on the field playing against a team with a bunch of division one talent on it. Um, and that really caught Nebraska's attention. Sean Dillon, who is one of the recruiting guys for Nebraska texted him right after the game and said, Hey, you know, congrats on a great game. And then within a couple of weeks, Nebraska had seen enough of his senior tape that they offered him a scholarship. He didn't say anything about it publicly because he was committed to Kansas state at the time. Uh, but he visited Nebraska last week, uh, liked what he saw Grew up a Nebraska fan. He's, you know, he's a kid from the Omaha area. Uh, and so he jumped on board and today. So it's an interesting addition. It's sort of like, not, I mean, I hate to, you know, it's hard to draw comparisons. You don't know what kind of player he's going to end up being, but it, it, it felt a little bit like a cross between what Nebraska didn't get done last year with Cole Payton, uh, who ended yeah. up going to North Dakota state to play quarterback. And then there's a little bit of a Luke Reimer type element to it too, where there's a kid who's playing a position right now that he's really not going to play in college. Uh, the last time he played, 
you know, he played linebacker last year, but he said in 2019, the last time coaches could actually watch him play before this fall, he weighed 165 pounds. Now he's 200. Um, it just sort of, it all came together pretty quickly. And you've got this guy who's a dynamite all around athlete and Nebraska after getting lucky to get Luke Reimer to walk on, looked at a really good athlete in its own backyard and said, okay, well, let's offer him and then figure it out later. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. Good job, Parker. He plays safety. She a linebacker. Uh, he's probably a linebacker. He, he told me today that, that he could be in the, the Jojo Doman type, the type yeah. role. Uh, it probably yeah. depends on how big he gets. You know, if he's six, yeah. two, and 205. I mean, he's not the story for all of us. It's a story of how big we get. Yeah. How big is he going to be? Um, I mean, if he's, if he is six, two and 205 and still running four, five, five. Yeah. I mean, that you could be a big 10 safety, uh, probably, you know, strong safety type, uh, at that size. But if he ends up being six, two and two thirty, um, you know, he's going to be a Doman, uh, you know, even, Garrett, you know, Garrett Nelson type outside linebacker, maybe an inside linebacker. Uh, we'll see. So they've got an intriguing collection of in-state linebackers for this class between him, Ernest Hausman, who's long, rangy, you know, 6'3 and 210 type. Um, and then Jake Applegate from like in Southeast, who's 6'4, more of an edge player. So they've got, they've got three guys at linebacker from, you know, a uh, 75 mile radius that they really like. Hey Parker, you what's your uh, what's your take on the class in general? Since we haven't we haven't talked about re- recruiting that that recruiting class for a long time, how do you think it how do you think it stands right now? Yeah, they've got nine high school kids. And, and the, way, the way I the way I size that, that up is, you know, they've only got eight seniors, eight six year seniors who they know will not be back next year that are on scholarship. So. From there, like, you know there's going to be attrition just because there always is every offseason and because they've got a big class of juniors, everybody from Adrian Martinez to Damian Daniels, Allen and Vocal, like a lot of guys who have decisions on if they're going to come back in 2022 or not. So if you take eight plus maybe like five or six, you get to 13 or 14. That's probably all the high school kids are taking in this class. Uh, And then they'll fill out the rest depending on how much attrition they have uh, via the transfer portal. And they've got some walk-ons, you know, like Nori Newelli's put himself in line probably to get a scholarship at some point. Um, there's a couple other guys in that boat. So, you know, roster management sort of ever evolving. It's really weird this year um, because of the extra year that everybody got. So I think at this point, they've got nine in the boat. They're probably looking for two or three defensive backs and an offensive lineman, um, you know, three or four more guys from the high school ranks. And that that might be it. You know, that might be it. If a really good player falls in your lap, sure. You can, you can find room to take him. It's not a hard number this year, but they don't plan on going above like 13 or 14 high school players. Okay. All right. Uh, t- touch on one more thing here. ESPN uh, story came out a few days ago, a couple days ago, Andrea Aldison uh, was in Lincoln, talked to Trev Alberts, talked to Scott Frost before the Michigan game. Some interesting comments uh, from both guys. Um, in that story, maybe not so much interesting from Scott. It's all the same things he's told us. Uh, they're close. It's going to happen. You know, this, that. Probably more interesting from Trev's side of it. Um, was asked, you know, talked about being patient with Scott. Talked about being given the, the football coaches the support that they needed, that they he didn't necessarily think they had. 
uh, before he got there. Talked about not really caring about what happened the previous three years of Scott Frost's tenure. And, and, and Andre Allison asked him straight up, you know, do you think Scott Frost is the guy to lead this program going forward? He said yes. So I guess take that for what you will, but some interesting comments I thought from, from Trev Alberts in that story. I, I guess I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he spoke, I would say, at length about the football program and the football season and said he appreciates how, Nebraska, how hard Nebraska's playing and its level of fight and that, and that he's not so worried right now about where Nebraska is in the division, where it is in the Big Ten in general, that first of all, you just got to show a level of fight and a level of progress. And, I mean, he said there's progress. Now, which – it, I mean, it would seemingly indicate good news for Frost, you know, a level of stability, right? Um, but like Parker, you said on the radio show this morning, there's still a lot of data. There's a lot of data points left in this season. Yeah. The conversation can change a lot uh, during the course of a half of a season. So, but right now, yeah, I mean – I don't know, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, but in some ways I think it kind of calms the waters, but I'm not sure the waters were that rocky. I think the, the waters were less rocky than they were like after the Illinois game. Um, right. Yeah, for sure. You know, like when, when the Illinois game, after, the, after Nebraska lost to Illinois, and then the way the Fordham game started, that was sort of like – quarter into that Fordham game was the, the point where it was like, what, what is going, what's going on? Right. I mean, you're Owen one. And then, and then they, they got the ship righted. They scored like eight straight drives. They blew out Fordham who they were supposed to blow out. And since then it's been wins and very close. And in a couple of cases, you know, very heartbreaking and somewhat self-inflicted losses to teams that are ranked in the top 10. I thought there was one quote in there that really raised my eyebrows that I'll bounce off of you guys that I, found very interesting uh trev said uh the programs that are successful it's not just xyz coaches so successful it's an athletic department university-wide culture commitment and a unity of purpose i'm not sure scott was the beneficiary of that necessarily well i don't yeah the, the thing i don't what? understand about that is was john cook the beneficiary of it was paul klempa the beneficiary of it i mean they well, seem to do a, right uh, and Will not just Bullock. that, but like the last athletic director, Bill Moose, hired Scott. Right. I don't. I'm not sure what that means. I don't. I wish. I wish. I mean, maybe it's our our duty to get Trev to expand on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably is. Trev, come on the podcast. Expand on that. <laughs> I don't. I didn't. Under, yeah. I never thought Scott lacked uh, internal support. And that that would preclude them from winning at a high level because it hasn't precluded Will Bolt, John Cook, Paul Klempa, other programs from winning at a high level. If, and yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get that. The uh, only part of the university-wide cultural commitment that's changed, it. I mean, literally. Well, I guess you know the, the university system president changed a couple of years ago, but recently the only change is Bill Moose leaving. So, mm-hmm. um, I. It'll be interesting to, you know, talk with Trevor about that more down the road. But um, I, I, that, I thought that was interesting. And, and you know, Trev said, I don't care what has happened the last three and a half years. I'm worried about now and growth, which that's probably music to Scott's ears, too, because obviously 
you know, they, they've got a pretty clearly better team this year than they have in the past three years. Well, let's put it this way. I, I'd be now, now, Parker, you weren't here, but somebody asked me the question. It's a good one. Chris, what would you, would you regard this team as the favorite against the 2016 Nebraska team that started off, what, 7-0 and were ranked, uh, like ranked in the top 20? Um, I don't know exactly what they got to, but they were 7-0. and And my, I mean, this team, I think, is better, but I'd ask you how so much better. How much better? They'd be favored, I think. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, I think, think we all knew – I think that – I think we all kind of knew that 7-0 was a little bit of a barrage a little bit. We knew what was coming. Um, and, look, they went up and played Ellen, or Wisconsin lost in overtime uh, that that year. And then then the downward spiral started with the loss in Ohio State 62-3. But, yeah, that – that wasn't real. Um, this this feels more real as far as progress, as far as the team being together, being a team, playing as a team, uh, the ability to bounce back, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think this team would probably be favored by touchdown, maybe. Uh, against That's what that I said, team. yeah, seven and a half. Um, okay, yeah. as far as Trev goes, and, you know, Trev Alberts appearing on the podcast, busting with the boys with Frost. Those guys talk every Sunday. Um, Trev met individually with each of the assistants on this past Sunday to tell him how proud he was of the team's effort. Um, how, I mean, the level of interaction with between Trev and Scott indicates support to me, unless yeah. it's just a much different management style than we're used to around here. I mean, it's a stark. It's a. It's an incredibly stark contrast to what we got used to around here, which is, which is Bo Pelini literally not get. I mean, this is. I'm not talking about secondhand knowledge here. These are direct conversations with Bo Pelini. He couldn't get a hold of Sean Eichhorst. I mean, he 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 would try to get a hold of him, and say, "Hey, I, I just can't." Then it then it got to a point where they just made it a. There was a liaison between them. Jamie Williams was. Just go through Jamie if you need anything. Um, okay, so, so think great. about that. Yeah, think about that. And then think about Frank Solich once telling me he ran into Steve Peterson. You know, they just were doing an afternoon workout, you know, two older guys to do workout in the afternoon and um, ran into each other in the locker room on a random weekday and no words spoken. I mean, That's Frank, lovely. yeah, Frank was really struck by it. Like, yeah, this is great. My, I mean, he didn't even, he wouldn't even say hi. You know, um, think about that compared to what this is, you know, um, yeah, this even, is, these guys talk yeah. a lot, you know, even Bill, I mean, Bill's thing was, and it was, it was his management style. And I think he would tell you that he would do it the same way if, if, if he was still in the job, but Bill's thing, remember, he always said, I don't bother coaches during the season. We have a right. meeting after the season. I don't go to practice. I don't need to go to practice. I don't bother coaches during the season. I let them coach. And then we talk after the season. I mean, this is very different even than that, you know, and that was, it's Bill was just hands off and that was his stated, you know, he wasn't hiding that, that he, that's just the way he was, but this is a lot different than that too. Yeah. This now here's the thing. I mean, if we're just talking in real terms, this doesn't seem like a boss that's fixing to fire the guy, you know, and if he is, it's really interesting way to do it. And I imagine he'd just say, I'm fixing to fire you if you don't start winning. 
but I'll still meet with you if you want to. I mean, I don't know how that works, you know? Well, if you're, if you're Trev, I mean, this is, this is Trev's style. And if, if this is your style, then it's, it's your responsibility to put everything you have into trying to make it work, you know? And then, so you do this and you do this and you do this and then either it works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then you make the decision about whether that's because of your leadership style or because of the capability of the staff or whatever. Um, But if this is the way he thinks success comes down the road, then I'm not surprised that he jumped headlong right into it right away. All right, guys, I need to wrap this up. I got a game starting here in about three minutes. Oh, let's so, go. You're throwing out the first pitch, right? I, I'm throwing out the first pitch here. They're, they're calling You're me down pitching the, the first three innings? I'm, I, yeah, they, I'm starting. I'm, I'm the starter. I'm the opener for the white team who's on the nice. mound first here tonight. So um, let's get some pre- quick predictions and get out of here. I'll go first. Like I said, I, I, I trust Nebraska, famous last words, but I trust them in this game. I think they're going to play well. I think Nebraska – does win by double digits, and I think that scores 30 to 20. 30 to 20? Yeah. 30 to 20. That's a good number. Go ahead, Parker. 24-23, Nebraska. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. God dang. Um, I'm a little more toward the Baz Baz way of thinking, but not quite that high scoring. About time you came around. 28 to 17. Nebraska. Ah, no, I'm gonna say 28 to 14. Nebraska, Minnesota. Two touchdowns. Offense. Yeah, that um, offense is pretty bad. Yeah, it's a bad offense. Good run defense, bad offense. Yeah, right, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure. We just, run defense. We just scored in the two minute drill. Look at that. Yep, I gotta go get some work in on the armband before I get going here. So I'm gonna get out of here. Okay, thank you guys. All right, peace out. Talk to you. Next.